0: The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on texasfootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TF Today. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you listen to us in the podcast, which you can subscribe to, the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet Show at the helm today, oh captain, my captain is Ashley Pickle. Hello, Ashley. Hello. How are you? Doing well. So far, the computer has not exploded.
1: Yes, we're on a good track so far. We'll see if we can keep it going.
0: Well, let's. You know what? Well, this is a streak. <laughs> this is a streak of two consecutive minutes of the computer not exploding.
1: Well, that's better than the other way around.
0: So. Yeah, that is definitely true. Yeah, that is. It's like it's like my streak of uh, flights without a crash. You know what I mean? I
1: saw that on your Twitter bio. You were just waiting for that to, to happen.
0: Have I explained? Th- okay, I'll explain this. Let's introduce. We'll bring in Shahan J. Roger, our college football insider, who's who's here in studio with us. Hi, Shahan. Hi. Um, have have I don't know if I've ever explained it. I'm sure I have because at this point we're 813 episodes into a dumb internet show, so I'm sure I've talked about everything in my life. But that whole thing, the consecutive flights without a crash, is an insurance policy. That insurance policy is that if I die in a plane crash, I am internet famous forever. <laughs> You better believe that CNN is finding those tweets of me. Because every time I go on a plane, I'm like, is this the one? Because you better believe that if I go down in flames, I'm immortal.
1: It's a a headline waiting to happen. Local sportscaster calls his own death. Exactly right. (laughs) I,
2: I think that you are vastly overestimating how much people care about us.
1: Hey no he's a he's a Dallas social media influencer. That's one of the oh. first things that I learned when I got here. That was what was said Ashley
0: <laughs> Ashley, we're going to get along just fine, young lady. <laughs> Today is Tuesday, September 10th, 2019, 79 days until Thanksgiving, episode 813, 813. This is the Pedro Paiano episode, and I'll tell you why. Because for the first time in 800, more history today, for the first time in 813 episodes, nobody has an 813 in their their Rangers stats. So if you list the people who have ever played for the Rangers in alphabetical order number 813 is pedro paiano i I
2: feel like you're gonna start running into issues with these stats as you start i mean i mean there's just not a whole lot once you get to 900 thousands like i mean you're kind of hitting ops and then it's like yeah one at this point you got to get lucky on ops right you know like
0: you gotta have the right one but anyway um (laughs)
2: that maybe that's our default now is that also is is it really only 79 days until thanksgiving 79 days oh my god aren't you excited I, there's a lot happening.
0: Um, I, uh, I, this is 100 percent true. Earlier well, this weekend, we bought my uh, my son his Thanksgiving outfit. Got a very special Thanksgiving <laughs> <What>? outfit. Yeah, <laughs> Ashley, these are the bits that you'll get used to.
1: What does a Thanksgiving outfit look like? <laughs> right, for little Hank. It
0: just says my first Thanksgiving on it. <laughs> All right, yeah. it's orange and.
1: Does he get to wear the uh, turkey hat that's in studio over here?
0: Uh, <laughs> let's not ruin it for oh her. god, um, oh god. alright on today's show guys we got Shahan in, in studio we're going to talk a little bit of college football we're going to get to our Dairy Max assistant coach of the week nominees and our teams of the week and then back half of the show the GOAT will join us uh, Craig Way the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer uh, we're moving his we used to do Wednesdays with Way now we have to do Tuesdays with Craig <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll get into that Coming up at the back half of the program But for now we do have Shahan J. Raj Our college football insider in studio Follow him on Twitter at Shahan J. Raja, Spelled exactly like it sounds um, Hey bud
2: Hey uh, You can spell your name pretty quickly right? Yeah S-H-E-H-A-N-J-E-Y-A-R-A-J-E-H There you go It's not that hard I cannot
1: spell it that quickly yet you I will spell- get there <laughs> Could
2: you spell your name that quickly?
1: Uh, yes See, Pickle, Pickle. Pickle's an easy name to spell though That is just true Just like on a jar you It's are hard right. to mess up
0: just like on a jar. See, mine is always pepper <laughs> with a T. Anyway, we all have those things. <laughs>
2: um, okay, so it's uh, Sean J. Rajan's studio. Um, where were you this weekend? You were you were I, all I down. I did double duty, man. Yeah. I On Friday, I was at Rice versus Wake Forest, my mm-hmm. first game at Rice Stadium. And so now I have officially visited all 12 FBS stadiums in Texas. How about that? Uh, and then on Saturday, I was at Texas versus LSU. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Texas versus LSU. That's obviously a game that caught a lot of headlines. You don't want to you don't want to talk Rice, Wake Forest. We can't. What did you think of Rice? Uh, I think they look great. I, they honestly, there was a play where the, one of their defensive backs just got sunned because they have Wake has a six five receiver, mm-hmm. and then they missed a tackle and went and went ninety six yards. And other than that, it's a pretty even ball game. Well, correct me if I'm wrong because
0: I this is, I was working on Friday night, so I could not yeah, watch the yeah. game, um, and I haven't run it back yet when they brought, but Tom Stewart looked really good for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely liked what I saw from him. I mean, he's still clearly taking a second to make some of these decisions. It's a very complicated offense, but, uh, you know, defensively they looked really good. They've got some playmakers and I mean, even, even when Stewart came in and I mean, green has showed some signs, but when Stewart came in, it was kind of obvious that he knew what he could get away with. He kind of knew how to play the position really well at this level. And, uh, you kind of got to see some of these wide receiver options that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Actually, kind of get to catch and passes. So. Um,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on Rice. Yeah. I'm bullish on Rice. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be improved. I think they're gonna be better this year. Yeah.
2: In, in all seriousness, I'm very high on Rice.
0: Yeah. But, uh, but but you have a great piece up on TexasFootball.com right now where you talked with folks and, and and basically the attitude it seems like around the program is um, that's fine. We're not here for moral victories. We're yeah, not here. We're, we're, we want to get actual wins. Yeah.
2: Mike Blumgren said to me. He said. I almost am tired of hearing about how much better we are than last year. Like yeah. they don't care. They, you know, and and against Army, obviously, in the opening game of the season, they looked really good and had a chance to win that game. Mm-hmm. Against Wake Forest, the score was a lot further apart than it's, than the game actually was. I mean, they're not going to beat Texas. They're not going to beat Baylor, but they're going to beat somebody, and yeah. and it's gonna it's gonna be big for that program.
0: Yeah. Well, you just don't beat the troops. <laughs> um, okay, let's get to our uh, our. our um to, to to game with Texas, um, I think there's a lot of folks. There's there's now a lot of um, the the takes are coming in about oh. what this game actually oh, yeah. means. Uh, does this mean Texas is back? I I it's really a great Rorschach test on <laughs> on how you feel truly deep down in your gut about Texas. Right. Because if you want to say that Texas is back after watching that game, I think there are reasons to say it. I think you can look at the offense, you can look at Sam Ellinger, you can look at the receiver core, and be like, man, yeah, this is this team is trending in the right direction. Sure. You can also say no. Texas is a fraud. They are a bunch of hack frauds, <laughs> and uh, that and and the secondary was we were sold a bill of goods on that. I think it's somewhere in the
2: middle. Yeah. Uh, I think that I, I don't know if my opinion necessarily changed on Texas this week. No, no. I mean, I don't think that I expected to see from LSU what we saw. Like, if anything, yeah. the takeaways from this game are that LSU really might have started to figure this thing out Mm -hmm. um and that's no value proposition on texas that's just LSU looks like they actually have made some adjustments on offense we've heard forever like oh you know steven sminger's gonna come in and bring a new offense and Turns out, uh, finally, hiring Joe Brady away from, I believe, the New Orleans Saints, uh, who was a quality control coach, he's come in, he's revitalized his passing game, and they've always had good receivers at LSU. They're finally throwing to them. But on the Texas side, I mean, I I think that the biggest takeaway from this game is just that Jalen Green is young, and that Kobe Boyce is young, and that their corners are going to take some time to come along, and that's not necessarily something we didn't expect they were really highly touted guys coming out of high school but at the same time cornerback maybe more than any other position other than maybe quarterback uh is a position that experience matters yeah and when you don't have that experience when you replace chris boyd and well it was Devonte davis mm-hmm. and pj Locke, when you replace all of those guys with freshmen and sophomores it's just going to be harder and todd orlando's defense is built around being able to play man coverage and you know maybe at some point you adjust but also it's not like Texas' defensive backs were in bad positions. They were just getting beat. Yeah. And Jamar Chase is really good. Justin Jefferson is really good. And Joe Burrow apparently is the best quarterback in college football. But the
0: issue the issue for me going forward with the secondary is that, yes, Joe Burrow is good. And, yes, the LSU passing attack looks pretty darn good. Uh, but uh, Oklahoma still exists. Oh, yeah. Baylor still exists. For sure. Um, You know, who else? Oklahoma State is suddenly looking yep. very, very yeah, capable yeah, yeah, yeah. offensively. Tech, I mean, uh, there are these games in the schedule, that suddenly, if the secondary is not the strength that we thought it could be, uh, it gets a little bit dicey for Texas.
2: Right. Well, and and I mean, I think that for me, looking at this year, I I mean, I know it's not necessarily a super popular take, but this was always a transitional year for me. You know, this Mm. was always a... Texas can be top two in the conference. You know, they can get there. They can get back there. But... This is a growth year. I mean, that defense, you look across that depth chart. It's freshman, sophomore all over the place with a couple of exceptions. I mean, you have Brandon Jones, but, like, that's kind of the exception. And you look at sort of the state of this program right now. I mean, Sam Elliott will be back next year. You know, you do lose some pieces, but... This was always a growth year for me, and it's game two of the season. You know, there, Texas still has a chance to win the Big 12. Texas still has a chance to make the Big 12 title game. Texas still has a chance to be a really, really good team, and losing to the number six team in the country, who now I believe is number four, Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that happens. I mean, and the
0: other thing, everything's still in front of them. We'll move on to a here in a second, yeah. right? but I think it's worth mentioning that if like, they went out, they're going to be in the playoff. Yeah. Like, they're playing Civil. Like, if, you know, now they, that means that beating Oklahoma twice, probably. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming they're not going to fall flat on their face. No, but, they're not. Um, <laughs> they are not. So, you know, beating Oklahoma twice, but at the same time, you know, t- everything's in front of Texas. So, to me, I think that there's, there, like, it's such a Rorschach test on how you feel about Texas. Yeah. So, let's talk about A&M. Yeah. Um, this is this is a little bit more of I think a, 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 it was a disappointing result. Yeah, I don't think they I don't think they were bad because no. they were going up against either the number one or the number two team in the country. No worse than the number two team in the country <laughs> right, right. on the road. Right. Um, but Kellen Mond was a pretty significant disappointment to me.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I think that the big takeaway from this game is just that. The offense isn't where we wanted it to be. Because mm-hmm. um, defensively, I was actually pretty happy with how they performed. I thought that they did a great job of taking Travis Etienne out of the game. Um, that's,
0: that's a super underrated thing for all the yeah. th- for all the talk we have about Trevor Lawrence. They made them one dimensional. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and honestly, I mean. Maybe this is a take. I mean, Travis Etienne's the best player on that offense. Like, I, I think that he's the best player on their football team right now, and they managed to make him a small factor, you know. And and Trevor Lawrence played well, but he didn't play outstanding. And a big part of that is on the back of Texas A&M's defense. You know, they did a good did a good job of getting to him and causing some issues. Uh, but offensively, there was just nothing. I mean, it, it, they scored three points in the first quarter and. That was the only real points that they got. I mean, they drove down at the end to, to have a last-second cover, but, like, it, it was three points. And, you know, you mentioned Kellen Mond, uh, after looking so good in Week 1, just did not look the part in Week 2. And, and again, I mean, it's a great team. It's, yes. it's a thing that happens. But, uh, but you know, we thought that maybe he had taken a step, but now you kind of look back at last year and you're like, where, where was that Kellen Mond? You know, the one yeah. that really almost won them the game against Clemson. Where's the
0: LSU, where's LSU Kellen Mond? Yeah. You know what I mean? Where where's where's the guy that last year he did dazzle uh, at, at times and you know and by the way yeah the degree of difficulty is going to increase for him right. obviously not from an opponent perspective although Alabama yeah. still exists and George still exists and LSU still exists on the yeah. schedule yeah 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 uh, but also the, now with Deshaun Corbin out right you feel like and I know that they are are very high on Isaiah Spiller sure. But he is a freshman. Yeah, and in the end, it's the more is going to be. It's reasonable to say that more is going to be asked of Kellen Mond going
2: forward. Oh yeah, and and he's up for the challenge. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen it before, uh, and and we saw it last season. We saw how much he grew. But this is where you know Kellen Mond can't have on and off games. That that was sort of his issue last year. Is that he had some of these incredible games. He played awesome against Clemson. He played awesome against LSU. But then. You know, you look across the rest of the schedule, he doesn't play very well against Mississippi State. He doesn't play very well against Auburn. Mm -hmm. And they lose those football games. And, you know, with the schedule that they have this year, they can't risk having off-Kellen Mond games against these teams that they're supposed to beat. Because right now, there's only, maybe total on the schedule, only seven games maybe where they're going to be favored because Auburn comes to town in two weeks Mm -hmm. and they look pretty dang good. it's just it just keeps getting harder and um you know we knew it was gonna be tough we knew it was gonna be tough but now not necessarily having the run game that you hoped for and not necessarily seeing as much from the offensive line as we maybe hope to see too I mean it's Clemson it's yeah arguably the best team in the country you know there's no reason to overreact or write anyone off or anything like that but I did hope that, you know, Texan being whatever, the number 12 team in the country this week, I did hope that it would look like Clemson at least had a peer. Uh, finally,
0: one more team I want to talk about. And by the way, you'll ta- uh, for those who don't know, re- subscribe to Republic of Football, the, uh, our college football podcast hosted by Shahan J. Raja. Uh, for all things college football, this is just a, a little taste, a little a little, <laughs> a little appetizer. Um, Weird, but all right. Yeah, it's true. Um, SMU. Yeah. Uh, probably the team that we are coming away this week most impressed by yeah um my goodness that was yeah. unexpected yeah and really impressive like all
2: the way around that was every that was part of it. really nice well this smu team last year if they they play arkansas state and if they play north texas they're probably coming away zero and two in these games oh, and yeah. and we saw north texas last year and right. it was ugly right and now some of this is also issues on defense for North Texas but offensively it was all there it was all back and Uh, SMU just did a great job of getting to Mason Fine, making things impossible for him. He only had 152 passing yards after posting 444 last year. So they did a good job of getting to him. And then offensively, I mean, it's just so obvious how much better this offense runs with Shane Bouchelle at the helm. Um, And it really opens up the game in a lot of ways for Xavier Jones, who struggled with injuries last year, and and, and even Keemont Freeman having some opportunities too. The game is just so much more open now for SMU. and. A big part of that is finally getting some linemen in place that they feel more comfortable with part of that is obviously rett lashley getting more comfortable with his personnel part of it's having i mean how many duos of wide receivers are better in the state of texas than reggie robertson and james Prochet? yeah i mean they they have so much talent and finally it's starting to execute and defensively i i think is really the place where we have to be most impressed and kevin kane had a great first year as defensive coordinator at smu last year i mean their defense was better than their offense in a lot of ways But this is a dominant defense. This is what you expected to see. This is what you hoped to see if you were an SMU fan. This is what Sonny Dykes wanted to see when he hired Kevin Kane as his defensive coordinator from Northern Illinois. It it was just such an impressive effort all the way around. And all of a sudden, you start looking at that schedule, and it looks... Pretty okay.
0: I mean, especially in an American Athletic Conference, it doesn't look like a It has a favorite right now. It it, it looks... Well, it may have a favorite, but not an overwhelming one. It doesn't look like a world-beater conference.
2: I I think that UCF is Mm -hmm. always going to be tough. They don't play them this year in the regular season. Uh, At Memphis, that's going to maybe be their toughest AAC game, and that's probably a loss. Right? I mean, whatever. Uh, And then you go on the road against Houston... That's going to be a tough game. Tough, we think. Yeah. But, but, you know, Houston hasn't necessarily showed what we hoped as yet. And after that, I mean, and, and you play at TCU, but that's not a conference game. After that, it's at South Florida. I think mm-hmm. that's very winnable. Versus Tulsa, versus Temple, very winnable. Versus ECU, at Navy, versus Tulane. I mean, SBU could easily win all those games. Yeah. And, uh, and they get Tech State this week they should beat. Yeah. So we're not that far off from talking about them as an 8-9, dare I say, 10-win team.
0: It's, it's all very good. Um, he is Shahan J. Raja. Listen to his outstanding podcast, Republic of Football, uh, wherever you get your podcasts and on texasfootball.com. Um, and follow him on Twitter at Shahan J. Raja. Sounds exactly, spelled exactly like it sounds. Uh, Shahan, appreciate it, bud. And uh, I'll see you out there at your desk a little later. All right. Sounds okay. good. Thanks, bud. <laughs> We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com, slash Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com, slash Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com, TexasFootball.com, is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. I'm supposed to tell you that. My boss let me tell you that.
1: I had one thing to add. I know that a lot of people yesterday said uh, they really want the Max persona of uh, to go on about you sure. know hating random things. Well, I can tell you that the Max persona will one hundred and ten percent go on if we continue to talk about SMU just dominating the Mean yeah. Green. Yeah, well, well, and and and, that's a and look, <laughs> this is this is
0: hopefully a long and fruitful relationship uh, between you and the show mm-hmm. uh, and you and the audience. So we'll get to know you as uh, as the the um, as the years and the the, the decades go on. But one thing you should know about Ashley Pickle is that she is an unabashed, unabashed Mean Green.
1: Go Mean Green. Yes. Always.
0: She is. Uh, so if if you're a North, Te- we, we've got some North Texas flavor in here. So now the editorial staff is now Missouri, North Texas, Baylor, Texas State, Tyler, or uh, TV, uh, Trinity Valley. Is that where Step went? It's good
1: question. Um, Max says sure if anyone didn't hear that. Uh, just Steph, Steph
0: <laughs> is probably listening to this. Uh and then I have no idea where powers went. Me either. Okay. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um Okay. Let's get to this. <clears throat> pay some bills. Dairy Max and Dave Campbell's Texas football are proud to team up this year to honor excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the Texas football staff nominates four deserving assistants across the week across the state rather with the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week and let fans decide the winner via Twitter poll, which I believe is up right now. It all leads up to the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Year decided at season's end. Your Week 2. Dairy Max, built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Fort Bend Willow Ridge Offensive Coordinator Nick Leonard. The Eagles exploded for 78 points, including 57 in the first half, in route to a 78-7 victory over Houston Westbury. Westbury rather. La Jolla Defensive Coordinator Robert Garza. It was the Coyotes' defense that led the way against Roma, stifling the Gladiators and holding them off the scoreboard until late in the fourth quarter to bring home a 30-6 victory. Malakoff offensive coordinator Scott Lane, the Tigers, set a school record with 76 points, getting 191 yards at the ground from Keeve Rose and another 173 yards from Dedrick Davis in a 76-7 romp over Emory Reigns. And Bernie champion, or I'm sorry, Bernie defensive coordinator. Uh, Brett Sawyer, the play-like champions. The Greyhounds held Medina Valley to just 206 total yards of offense and needed every stop as they narrowly edged the Panthers 7-6. to six. So those are your Week 2 Built by Chocolate Milk, Assistant Coach of the Week nominees, 4-pin Pinwheel- Willow Ridge, Offensive Coordinator Nick Leonard, La Jolla Defensive Coordinator Robert Garza, Malakoff Offensive Coordinator Scott Lane, and Bernie Defensive Coordinator Brett Sawyer. Vote now on Twitter at DCTF. Dave Campbell's Texas football is proud to honor one team from each public school classification with the Team of the Week award. The schools selected throughout the course of this program have best exemplified what it means to be a Texas high school football team. Your Week 2, Dave Campbell's Texas football Teams of the week. In 6A, Katie, how do you follow up a dramatic win over the number 1 team in the state? By dominating another state-ranked team. That's exactly what the Tigers did, drubbing Humble Itascasita 56-14 just a week after knocking off defending champ, Galena Park North Shore. In 5A, The Colony. With a new look high tempo offense, quarterback Mikey Harrington and wider receiver Miles Price torched state-ranked Frisco Reedy in route to a resounding 48-19 victory. In 4A, Rio Hondo. It was a nip and tuck affair all night. The Bobcats scored first in overtime and then held off a would-be game-winning two-point conversion to bring home a thrilling 17-16 win over Zapata. In 3A, Pottsboro, fueled by a sharp passing from Braden Plyler and an opportunistic defense, the Cardinals stunned state-ranked Gunner, 27-14, snapping the Tigers' 35-game regular season winning streak. In 2A, Wortham, the Bulldogs exploded for 571 yards on the ground, including 283 yards and six scores from quarterback Brandon Coker to edge Dallas First Baptist for a wild 70-66 victory. And this is true. I got a text from Chad Conine at the Waco Tribune before this. Uh... Uh, Brandon Coker, the quarterback for Wortham, also ran for seven two-point conversions, which I don't know is a record, but I'm going to say it is.
1: Did they not have a kicker? I don't decide know. They decided to leave him at home. Uh, it is 2A, year.
0: so it's like there's a fair chance, chance. that they just don't right. have a kicker. That's fair. Uh, or like he wasn't feeling good. But either way. Could go either way. 76-6, Wortham's are 2A. Team of the week and in one a Prairie League. It was a big night in Caldwell County as the as the Indians defeated Fayette County Homeschool, 52 to nothing, snapping the team's 20-game losing streak and earning their first victory since October 2017. So those are your week two. Dave Campbell's Texas Football Teams of the Week in 6A, Katie 5A, the Colony 4A, Rio Hondo, 3A, Pottsboro, 2A, Wortham, and 1A Prairie League. Congratulations to all the schools. We salute you. For more information, visit TexasFootball.com. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on texasfootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Campbells, and of course, see us at texasfootball.com. texasfootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to encourage you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Hello, it's your friend, Greg, from the Internet. I'm here to tell you about becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We have a lot of great stuff right now at texasfootball.com uh, up for insiders, including computer, computer rankings of every Texas high school football team. That went up today, as well as a piece that I'm writing every week about uh, the rankings, kind of breaking down who's on the rise, who's falling, things like that. Um, I have a lot of fun writing that, actually. This is the second week I've done it, and, and I'm really enjoying it. One thing I included in this year's, this week's piece is who is the highest-ranked winless team and who is the lowest ranked undefeated team in each classification. So I made sure to include both of those in each class. Uh, that's up for insiders at texasfootball.com. Uh, also, we have computer projections of every Texas high school football game. That's coming up tomorrow on uh, the site. As well as, uh, you get uh, Step st- and Step, our premium high school football podcast. Matt Step and I recorded it yesterday. It was actually episode 31. Uh, it's our week three preview. We went for almost an hour and 20 minutes. Because we are psychopaths. And for the first time ever, I think, in Dave Campbell's Texas football recorded history, um, we are, um, we have, um, yeah, I told him. Don't worry. Um, Let me make sure you've got the right number for Craig Way. I haven't had to send it to anybody. Um, Let me make sure. Hold on. He also might be on the phone. Let me see. you're listening to live coverage, of uh, of us, uh, doing this, thing. I don't know. We're figuring it out. Um, maybe I typed it wrong. Hold on. Hold on. Hold, please, Ashley. Okay. Is that the right number? No, you gave her the wrong. There's no way I gave her the wrong number.
1: Wrong on one digit. Did I really? you I told you we were gonna blame you if the show blew up.
0: Listen, man, this is, that's always a, an easy thing to do. Uh, Tep and Step, our premium high school football podcast. And I mentioned this. For the first time ever, I believe we mentioned the Cumby Trojans in, uh, in, in our, this podcast because they are my hipster game of the week, Cumby and Wolf City. So check that out. It's up on TexasFootball.com. Uh, become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Uh, two magazines, years worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com. Uh, I can't believe I gave her the wrong number guys i told you i was gonna just totally you guys were all worried about changing producers but you like the thing that the thing that's the problem with this show stayed the same that's the issue actually let's go to the hotline and let's bring in the texas high school football hall of famer himself the guy who probably knows his own number even though i gave the wrong number to the producer <laughs> we go to the hotline to bring in the hall of famer craig way hey craig how are you
3: Hey, that stuff happens, right? <laughs> I have that problem all the time. You're, yeah, you're,
0: you're a radio guy. You're, you're a radio professional. I'm sure that's happened uh, to you a, a number of times. Um, Many times. I, I wanna, uh, we are now... Uh, this, is all, this is a good time to talk to you because we're right on that kind of cusp of turning the page over to week three. Uh, but it gives us an opportunity to take a look back at week two. Um, I think I mentioned on your show that the small school ranks in Texas high school football were the things that stood out most to me. Um, it, it, is, is, can you think of anything, really, in the big school ranks, in 6A and 5A, that really surprised you uh, coming out of Week 2, or was it all just chaos in the small school ranks?
3: I, I'm with you, uh, Champ. I, th- I thought it was mainly... And, and you and I talked about this. Um, I know you feel, and I do too, that Holland is going to be a good football mm-hmm. team, but you would never have gotten me to say that they were gonna get that win over mark that that really st- stunned me to see that and all credit for it uh, for the doing it but that one that one was the biggest leap off the page moment at me for week two was was that one more than any other game across the state of Texas' and it and it goes right to the heart of what you're talking about about we're seeing a little more shake-up in the lower classes and we and we normally do see a little bit of that um, you know we saw Martin lose an early season game last year uh to Franklin. We've seen some other teams in the lower class of Rapurio losing early in the year last year. So, you know, it happens. It's just mm-hmm. I you know, it just, the, the magnitude of that specific victory I thought struck me probably more than anything else.
0: Yeah, there was um there was, uh, we got a message on, on Facebook or uh, via email that mentioned, and I have not, I want to be clear, I have not fact-checked this, so let's just throw this out there as if it's true. Um, okay. It, that the last time Mart lost at home to an unranked team, and Holland is now in our rankings, by the way, uh, but the last time they lost to an unranked 2A team was October 1983. Um, I would believe oh, wow. it. I would believe it yeah. because uh, they just—they're not in the business of losing many games, let alone at home, let alone to unranked teams. Uh, but but that kind of speaks to uh, how uncommon it was. So um, you know that that was one that that stunned me. You know, the other one was Potsboro over Gunner, mainly because we thought Potsboro was in a bit of a rebuilding year but to go on the road again and snap a 35 game regular season winning streak to me that makes me look at the entirety of 3A Division 2 and yeah Newton and Canadian are still at the top and they don't look like they're going anywhere but but past that you know if Gunner's going to going to start stumbling a little bit then suddenly things really open up in that kind of uh, next level of 3A Division 2
3: Yeah I agree with you there too and and one thing that we've noticed since uh, you know since the the breakdown of divisions Uh, Over the past several years, and it's, you know, and probably uh, you put it best when we said last year, let's watch what happens with 5AD 1 and D2 at the start of the year, and and maybe we'll see some uh, earth shaking things. And we didn't see as many in the regular season as we saw in the postseason. Now, early on, obviously, in in 5AD 2, seeing Alito lose, albeit to a state ranked 6A, still it it catches you a little unawares and some of the other stuff that happened. But you're right, in the lower classes, We've seen more of it happen. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, it, it, remember in, in some of the lower classes, and you and I have talked about this before, uh, they're, the kids there involved are involved quite often in more than just football. They're involved in lots of other things, and maybe the edge isn't quite as sharp early in the season for some of the smaller classification programs as it is for the larger class programs. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. It's still a small sample size.
0: We're talking with Craig Wade, the Texas High School Ball Hall of Famer here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation at hashtag TF today. All right, Craig, uh, I know you're a big fan of the of the multiple choice, so I'll give you I'll give you a little bit of multiple choice. Uh, we okay. have we have three new number ones in the Dave Campbell's Texas football rankings this week. Which one are you buying the most as being able to stay there? Is it four A Division One, where Argyle is a new number one? Is it two A Division Two, where Hamlin is a new number one? Or is it one A Division One in the six-man ranks, where Milford is at the number one spot? Uh,
3: I'm I'm going to go with Argyle only because of the proven commodity thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're there every year. What is it? Ten straight years going to the Sweet 16, yeah. I believe, uh, yeah, for Todd Rogers' team. That says something by itself. Uh, and they just, you know, were very sound in their in their first two wins over Stevenville and then certainly over La Vega. Probably that Milford, of course, was the state finalist from a year ago. But I, I just have a feeling we have more to hear from other schools mm-hmm. in that division. Not that we don't in 4A D1. There's plenty of prime contenders. It's just I think Argyle is better. Suited to handle that, and for Hamlin, hey, it's a great story and it's a great start. They are kind of the the teen boy band; they're the new kids on the block. So you know, let's 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 see what happens with that newly minted number one ranking for the Pied Pipers. Yeah,
0: and we talked with Russell Lucas on on Football Friday um on Fox Sports Southwest this weekend, and and I remember thinking I was like, "Man, okay, so so Mart lost and Fall City I, lost. Well, who's going to be number one?" And it just struck me, and like my eyes got real wide. I was like. Man, the Hamlin Pipe Pipers are gonna be the dang number one team in the state come Monday. And like for, for a Texas in Texas High School football, we get so used to the same teams that like whenever this new team goes up to number one, I was like, whoa. Really, you guys? It's going to be you. That's that's like really. I don't know. That's that that excites me. Whenever we have these new programs, uh, not new programs. Hamlin's been around a long time and they've had great success, but a program that hasn't necessarily been at that level in quite some time, getting up there, that's exciting. And I think that in a in a two A Division two race last week with both Mart and Fall City, they'll be back. Don't worry. But I think that that injects a little bit of intrigue to maybe something that was otherwise. It felt like. Uh, a bit of a foregone conclusion that it was going to be Mart in Fall City in a semifinal and whoever wins that is going to win the title.
3: Yeah, and and, and I agree with you. And, and, And I know that in the midst and the maelstrom of everything that happens on a Friday night, that moment, that aha moment for you, we mm-hmm. were sitting beside each other yeah. when you said that. You were like, "Who's going to be number one?" And you started like, and you looked at me, and your eyes got big as saucers, and you said, <laughs> "Hamlin." Hamlin. It like it was the the, the 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 big awakening there, you know, uh, the big epiphany. It's Hamlin. It's going to be number one. I I I think it's a great story as well, and I and I am curious to see how they do going forward with that. Uh, but it is going to be uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting because the competition is going to be tough. But I but I do think they're 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 a solid, solid choice to be won and they are a solid contender as the season goes forward. We'll see you know and, and, and as we've always said, with uh, small school kids, We'll see how
0: they hold up health-wise, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apologies to the Grandview Zebras who have to relinquish their crown as the best mascot in the number one spot in our rankings. Um, The Pied Pipers have come and and taken it. Um, All right, so moving forward to Week 3. And in Week 3, I would say that the schedule is probably not as deep with really headline-grabbing games. Um, But I'm going to give you... I want to talk to you about two particular games. First and foremost, let's talk about a game in the DFW Metroplex that I think is going to give us a good shape of what 5A Division I looks like. And that is Highland Park and Frisco Lone Star. Um, Matt Stepp had an incredible stat yesterday that Highland Park has not lost a home game to a Texas team since 1998. Um, but Frisco Lone Star looks the part right now. and And my thoughts on this game, and I'm interested certainly in yours, my thoughts are we will find out if it is Highland Park in the field or if it is just a knockdown, out fight uh, to the finish, because I feel like if Highland Park comes out and wins this game, and especially if they win this game comfortably, we can maybe—I don't want to say close the book on 5A Division One, but we can at least say, okay, we have a favorite, and until they say otherwise, it's theirs to—it's theirs to lose.
3: Yeah, uh, if, if you have a coin, mm-hmm. flip it between that game and Newton West Orange Start yeah. as to what is the best matchup of the week in the state of Texas, and, and and I don't know which one you could pick, and I might be inclined to go with the 5 a route as well. I, I think you're right uh, with regard to do we find out if it's uh, HP and the rest of the field. I don't know that it's necessarily, to the, unless, like you say, if it's lopsided mm-hmm. because Ryan is still sitting there, although they have yet to prove they can get past the big blue and gold hump when it gets uh, there in the postseason. But, uh, and then Shadow Creek looked, I asked you the other day, and I gave you the multiple choice on which team looked the scariest at a 5A-D1, and one of them was Shadow Creek, and you went with the Sharks. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I- inclined to disagree with you at all the way they're playing right now. So, but, again, that would be a rematch at a state championship, which would be fun. So I don't know if it's HP and the, quote-unquote, the rest of the field, depending on how, what they do, because uh, we wouldn't see them in a, in a matchup with Shadow Creek until a, uh, it would be a rematch of a state final, but a statement win for Highland Park. In other words, if they go ahead and put their, their stamp of dominance on uh, Lone Star, then at least it might be Highland Park in the field on the top half of the bracket.
0: Finally, um, a game that I think may be flying under some radars right now, I think because they're both 1-1 one and one and they both, um, let's be honest, didn't look great in Week 1, um, but Cedar Park... Uh, has to get on a bus for three hours and fifteen minutes, and drive to Bob or drive to San Angelo Stadium out there in beautiful in the beautiful Concho Valley, and take on San Angelo Central. Uh, I'm really intrigued by this game. Uh, I know this is in your neck of the woods down there in Austin um, w- with Cedar Park. Uh, I feel like this is a this is you know San Angelo Central is is kind of a, a known a known brand. People know you know b- because they are the big 6A program out there in that part of the world. Um, they kind of suck up a lot of the oxygen out there. Cedar Park, I feel like if they go out there and they beat San Angelo Central, we're going to forget about that Vandegrift loss pretty quickly because that would be... that. Would, I mean, just everything as far as playing a 6A, going on the road, probably their longest road trip since they played Ennis in the title game in 2014. I feel like that would be a really signature win for Carl Abseck and company to do that on the road against a, against what we still think, even with a bad Week 1 loss, is a pretty good San Angelo Central team.
3: Yeah. I agree with you. And remember last year, Cedar Park started the season also uh, 0-2. Uh, so they had started off with uh, the loss to Vandegrift and uh, then had the loss afterwards to Cedar Ridge and then turned it around with the win uh, over Central. Now, that was a home game. So uh, getting on the bus and, and going uh, the, the the three hours plus, especially if you go far into market 1431, because that's just a winding far into market road until you get all the way up there. Uh, you know, to Marble Falls, and then you're wide. Anyway, point is, it, it would take you a while to, to get out there. If they have, uh, a, you know, a decisive win there, then you say, yeah, they're already back. I think we've seen signs with them that the Black Rain defense has uh, returned. Uh, they they got burned on some plays against Vandegrift, but made a few stops against Cedar Ridge. They did a great job on Deuce Ball, and the Raiders running back held them, I think, what, 43 yards on 12 carries. Did an excellent job on him. So they're still looking to get the offense completely on track, but Ryder Hernandez is more and more comfortable uh, there with the offense. And a, and a side note that's interesting here, Tep, in um, in thirteen six a they begin district play this week. Vandegrift plays Cedar Ridge to open district play. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll, get a, we'll get a little bit of a look there. But I, I think you're right. It's, it's a test more to see what happens uh, with Cedar Park and how they do going out west.
0: He is Craig Way. He's the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer. You can listen to him on the horn in Austin, of course, calling uh, all of the uh, Texas Longhorns action. And then uh, if you uh, want to watch an actual broadcast professional on Friday nights, tune in to uh, Tune 11 p.m. with uh, Craig Way and Rick Renner on High School Scoreboard Live. I will be tagging along as well. Craig, appreciate your time as always, pal. And I guess I will see you Friday uh, in in the studio.
3: When we both step aside and leave it to the one and only Rick Renner, because after all, it is Rico's world.
0: It is Rico's world, and we are just living in it, pal. I appreciate it, man.
3: That's it, man. You got it.
0: There he goes, Craig Way, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer. Joins us every Tuesday here on Texas Football Today. Uh, Tuesday at like 1220 is what we're going to, to call it. Um, if you want to mark your calendar, put in your Palm Pilot. If you put in your Palm Pilot, you won't forget... That Craig Way is on the show Tuesdays at 1220 uh, so we appreciate his time uh, we are going to forego final thoughts here. we're not, we're not. No. Okay. shock of all shocks uh, and now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment final thoughts
1: alright so first up on the board I promise you we will get back through the first four, through the door. You've got to remember, Max is like the star running back, and I'm like the scrappy young freshman coming in. So it was week you're day the, one. you Isaiah <laughs> Spiller of this team. Like
0: high upside, really <laughs> high upside, but we're losing a known commodity. So you know? I
1: apologize yeah. to our, all of our Facebook viewers, but we will get back to that here very soon. All right, the, um, the first one, Jordan Glenn Angles suggests maybe Tuesdays with Craig Way should be twos ways. That's not bad.
0: Tuesdays Tues feels forced it's but at the same time it's better than tuesdays with craig <laughs> at, at the at the same time this whole show is forced so yeah i can yeah we can, let's workshop it let's workshop it
1: there, we'll come up with something but cory hug my bad Again. Oh, it's the no. scrappy, the scrappy young freshman oh, we'll no. get we'll get better at this oh Corey disrespecting Hogue. the troops <laughs> uh we should talk about what's on Tepper's lip.
0: What's on Tepper's lip?
1: I think it's the, the kind of stash you got going on there. That would be my guess.
0: Guys, this is what's on Tepper's lip is laziness. <laughs> what's on Tepper's lip is that Tepper has to shave on Thursdays for Player of the Week show and Friday for all the Fox stuff. And I ain't doing it any other day. <laughs> so tomorrow it'll be worse, and then Thursday I'll be clean shaven. So there you go.
1: There's the timeline on Tepper's mustache, um, in reference to Tepper being an influencer. Aaron Flynn says he's waiting for Tepper to start tweeting out. Have you heard about my essential oils?
0: Yeah, um, this is this is a big Facebook thing among yeah. among. Um, let's just say women of a certain age like to tell like to like to sell essential oils. Um, well, mm. if you're
1: gonna double as an influencer, it might.
0: I am not. It might then. get to that. Uh, no, no I'm, swag I'm, bag for you though. I'm I'm not into um, I'm not into essential <laughs> oils.
1: All right. Well,
0: Ashley, I've got to tell you, so far this is t- taking a weird turn.
1: It there. Okay, Max did pick the uh, topics, so we'll
0: uh, we'll take it with I that. I see. This <laughs> makes this will makes a lot more sense now.
1: All right, Matt Stepp did clarify on where he got his bachelor's from. My bachelor's is from UT Arlington, but we have no football team. So since I have um, an associate's from Trinity Valley, that's it's it. Valley Up. You TV, are correct.
0: TVCC, that's right. He went to TVCC. Um, yes. Uh, go Cardinals? Yes. Thank you.
1: All right, and then the last one is Aaron Flynn again. Can a Friday be a mailbag Friday specifically to ask Max max questions as a goodbye
0: 100 percent i'm I not even going guess. to be here max is going to sit in this chair he's going to be our guest on uh he's already agreed to this it's part of his severance package uh he's going to sit in this chair he's going to ride shotgun with me on Mailback friday so be here friday for the uh, max farewell show um in which we play the uh, the sad montage of all of his greatest hits, which is just basically going to be we're going to play the, um, the the Mexican food commercial over and over and over, <laughs> but we're going to put it to like we're going to put it to like the sad walking away music from the Hulk. That's what it's going to be. So, that it.
1: That's great. Yeah, and thank you to uh, Ed McElroy, Daniel Agnew, Rob. Hadaway and Aaron Flynn for welcoming me onto the team. Come Yay! Here, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Everybody, give Ashley a round of applause in the comments. Yeah, excellent Thank job. Thank you, appreciate it. That's the last <laughs> time we will ever give you praise.
1: Yes, uh, that's fully, I, that was more than I expected. Don't you from forget, you, don't you forget whose show this is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's gonna do. It. That's gonna do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day uh, with us. Follow us on Twitter at DTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com/slash Dave Campbell's, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Craig Way for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle and Shahan Raja, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please give me your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.